1: By the way, the Canadian men's basketball
2: team tried to qualify for the Olympics. Last chance tournament in the Philippines. They beat Turkey today, 77-69. They play Senegal tomorrow. If they win, they'll be in the semifinals. You have to win that tournament to get a spot in the Olympics. The Blue Jays winners tonight. 8-3 over the Kansas City Royals. R.A. Dickey gets the win. He proves to 6-9 on the season. He struck out eight in seven innings of work. He gave up a couple of runs. Neither one was earned. Josh Donaldson, two solo home runs for the Blue Jays. Tulewitzki had a homer as well. Uh, the Jays win it 8-3 over the Kansas City Royals. You can text us at 630 The Phone number is 780 Is that Morgan Smith over in the newsroom? I haven't had Morgan Smith doing
0: uh, news on an inside sports show since you were a lad,
2: Matthew Panashik.
0: Are you there, Morgan? What? What? I'm sorry. I was, like, t- typing a news thing. Sorry. Oh, you're actually working.
2: <laughs> yeah, see, between 6 and 9, that's not recommended on 630 Chat. Oh. It's pretty much the playground zone.
0: Oh, shoot. I, I didn't get the memo.
2: Yeah. Well, no, you just kind of have to follow my lead. Okay. I-, I ain't doing much work. So I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just make sure the weather's accurate. You know, try to sound like Bob Layton when you're on air. Nobody,
0: I'm nobody Bob will. Layton. Is that good enough? That Do was, I need to pitch pretty, it down? Pretty good.
2: I don't think it's as polished as mine, but it's not, it's not bad.
0: Looking in the mail bag... uh, I don't know. I just just can't get deep enough. I just, I just, well,
2: yeah, I just, okay, here's the thing. I I, I host a show that uh, takes calls and read texts, right? (laughs) I got to talk. I got to talk talk to people. Bob Layton is supposed (laughs) to write an editorial five days a week. I know. All he does on Friday is,
0: hey, let's look in the mailbag because I ran out of ideas. (laughs) You know he listens to the show sometimes, Reed. Jeff right? from Ottawa says, "What's the deal with politicians? They got one hand in my pocket."
2: You know, like stuff like that.
0: Yeah, but he has to—he has to read—he has to read a lot of emails though to get the good ones. What
2: I'd like to do is what, the next time Bob Layton's on holidays, I'll do a week of editorials in that voice and see if anybody knows the difference.
0: I think they might know the difference.
2: Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I, well Morgan, I'll let you get back to work. Great to have you on the Inside Sports show.
0: Oh, thanks. Sorry I was a little slow on the uptake there. That's
2: fuck. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Once right. again, Listen to this show. <laughs> oh, oh. And you'll, okay. you'll feel fast on the uptake.
0: Oh, well, that's good. Then, you know, whenever I'm feeling down, I'll just tune in.
2: That is the uh, irreplaceable Morgan Smith in the 630 Ched News Department. Reed Wilkins with you on Inside Sports. It's 8.08 uh, 08 in the p.m. Matthew Panashik is the studio producer this evening. Uh, yeah, Riders kicker Dave Ridgeway is going to be on the show on Thursday. Tomorrow we'll have Brendan Ulrich in studio. He works on Oilers now. Canadian uh, women's national team basketball player Michelle Plouffe getting ready for that big series against China, the Edmonton grads classic uh, Saturday at 7, Friday at 4, Monday at 7, three-game tune-up for the Summer Olympics. Later on this hour, Paul Serb will join us to talk about that. Uh, later on this hour, don't do it now. Don't do it now, Matthew. Don't take calls right now. Uh, well, we'll take calls, but we're, don't give away the tickets yet. We're going to give away tickets to the match Sunday at 4, four tickets later on this hour, okay? Sounds good. Uh, Lyle says, you guys better watch it. Bob Layton will come in there, pin you down, and make you say uncle.
0: All right. That's more accurate than he realizes. jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> He's a scrapper.
2: Fair enough. He's got those, uh, what do you call those dummies? He does ventriloquism. Oh yeah, that's that stuff. that stuff. He, he... He'd get one of the dummies to attack. <laughs> yeah, he's got them trained. That's how good he is. <laughs> Bob Layton's dummies don't just talk for him. they do his dirty work. There's a reason he sells out wherever he goes. A uh, few people commenting on my uh, story about my mother. Penny says, "Haha, your mum sounds great." Another texture says, "Poor boy, you will always be your mama's baby." Well, that's true. I, f- I figured that out. I think you're always eight in the uh, eyes of your parents. Uh, This texter here says, I miss my mom. She passed away far too early. I I wish she was still around to tell me to eat, LOL. I hear you though. Travis says, uh, Hey Reed, loving the show from Sylvan Lake. The mom voices are hilarious. My grandma always asks, if I'm listening to your show on my iBox or X phone or whatever. Cheers, pal. That is from Travis. Travis, I appreciate that. I hope your grandma's listening as well. This show, by the way, 100% grandma approved. Nevin says, you know, if, ne- if Nevin, are, if you are still listening to the show, are you the Nevin that is, uh, that I would have met? Because I only know one person named Nevin. And he's the brother of, uh, of someone who uh, married someone I used to work with. I wonder if this is the same Nevin. I would like to know that. Nevin says, "Uh, Reed caught the start of your show. I'm a fellow runner, just finished a 7K. Good stuff, Nevin. Keep going with that. He says, you were asking if we thought the Oilers were better, well, naturally, by getting the golden egg in the draft and what sounds like narrowly getting Lucic in free agency. The Oilers seem to be a better team today but to me the Oilers still straight at Hall for Larson one for one and that's how it will go down in history I feel Shirelli could have held his hand closer to his chest for a bit longer Lucic's decision did not depend on us getting a defenseman or not that is from Nevin well um, the Hall trade is probably one that is always going to be disliked by a lot of Oilers fans. I mean, hey, I go on Twitter, and I see it being absolutely ripped apart. All I can tell you is this. I'm I'm kind of a wait-and-see type of person. And I tend to trust the people who are in positions to do their jobs that certainly I don't have the abilities to do. One of them is to be an NHL general manager. So I have to trust that Peter Shirelli thought that was the best deal he could get, and he needed to make it. And I understand it looks lopsided. There's no doubt about that. I can I mean, it looks lopsided. It still does look lopsided to me. But I don't think every single trade is a position. You know, is a position for position transaction. I mean, what was that trade? Uh, what was that trade a few years ago? Was it Champ Bailey for Clinton Portis? Right?
1: Yes, it you was. You traded a
2: running back for a defensive back. How can you directly compare the impact they have on the game? Well, I mean, I you, guess. you can't. You can't. One guy does one thing. One guy has as a difference. I mean, it, to use the football comparisons, it's it's, it's like it's like trading a, a running back for a, a left tackle. Well, or for a defensive lineman, or whatever.
1: If a team has a need, read you know, like I'm sure the Redskins needed Clinton Portis back then, because they didn't have much of an offense, and um, was it Denver needed needed a quarterback, right? So yeah, yeah.
2: this was several years ago now. Oh yeah, but that was one trade at the time where it was like, oh my god, okay. So again, I, I know you know sometimes people listen to the show and they hear me talking about stuff, and 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 I'm I'm not I'm not. I'm not even trying to say that I like the trade, or I'm not trying to defend it. My approach is it happened, so let's figure out why it happened and what happens next, and could it possibly help the Oilers overall? Uh, somebody texted in. Darren Dreger said, "29 other GMs' new hall was available. It was the best deal Shirelli had." And, and and again, that's my thing. I don't think Shirelli said, well, there are better players I can get, or more established players, or more offensive defensemen, but to heck with it. I'm just going to irritate everybody, so I'm going to make this trade. And I I know the change for the sake of change argument isn't always a good one, but as I said the day of the deal, what the heck did you expect? Did you seriously think Shirelli and Bob Nicholson, who are in charge of the team now, we're going to sit there and say, like, yes, let's bring the exact same team back that just finished second last in the league. I mean, it would, it would have been ludicrous to do that. So I under, but I understand the argument. Couldn't have, could have he done better than Larson? I don't think at that moment he could have, because if he would have, he, he could have. So now we just have to wait and see. Will this combination of players actually? make the team as a whole better now there's a risk you heard me say the offensive numbers since taylor hall joined the oilers and he's been their best offensive player over that span they have been 28th 19th 21st 26th 26th and 25th in goals for They've also been in the bottom 10 in goals against most of the time. So they have decided, let's fix the goals against and try to get better forechecking and better intimidation and maybe better puck possession. Now, Hall had some of that stuff. Certainly he could possess the puck. Certainly he could generate offense. But but Shirelli is saying, I think the team can be better even by subtracting uh, one of the three most important players on the team last year. The other two, in my mind, being Talbot and McDavid. So again, when I talk about this, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you you're not allowed to get mad about it. I'm not even telling you to agree with what I'm saying. I'm just saying, all right, let's let's assign some thinking to this beyond saying, well, Peter Shirelli intentionally did the stupidest thing he could, because I don't think that's how he or most people operate when they wake up in the morning. Uh, Big Jack says, can you explain what happened to Jason Demers? Yes, I can. He uh, signed with the Florida Panthers. And I think once the Oilers got Larson, he wasn't uh, in play anymore. Lyle, you just texted something in that's going to make some people mad and other people are going to agree with. Lyle says the trade effectively was Hall for Larson and Lucic. A lot, you, Lyle, you just made a lot of people mad because they say, they say no. You can't look at them in combination. The trade was Hall for Larson. That's all it will ever be. That's the only way you can ever evaluate it. I quite frankly think the transactions that are important are Peljarvi likely in the lineup, Larson on the team, Lucic on the team, Hall not on the team. I actually look at the whole summer as a whole. This texture says, Hey, Reid, what do you think the chances are we can get Barry? Well, we were talking about that earlier in the show. I mean, I hate putting numbers on stuff. Stoffer was talking about a combination where the Oilers trade a first-round pick and something else to Anaheim for Cam Fowler, and then the Oilers trade Fowler to Colorado for Barry probably more likely than Nugent Hopkins straight across for Barry. One texter made a good point earlier where if you're going to trade $6 million for Barry directly to Colorado, why wouldn't the Avalanche just pay Barry that? It would be interesting with the three teams in the Western Conference hooking up of of a trade for that caliber, and probably the Oilers winding up with the best player in the deal. Uh, this texture says, "If the Oilers are better balanced, how can it not be the right move?" Again, I mean, I feel like I'm arguing both sides of it, but I'm just telling you what I hear. the 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 people who are against the Hall trade to this re, to reply to this texture, I think his name might be Mark. They say the Oilers gave up the best player, the be, the better player, the better driver of possession and a guy who is, as Jeff Merrick said on this show last week, they've up, they gave up the guy who is actual for a guy who is still more potential. If Adam Larson improves by 20% in a couple of years, you might say, oh, man, really glad we did that. If he plateaus at, at what he is at now, then you might say, well, good defender, we needed that, but, man, Hall created a hole that couldn't be filled, or the, or the team as a whole couldn't overcome the absence of Hall. Ray says, hey, Reed. I wasn't really thrilled with the Hall trade, but I can almost guarantee the Oilers will be at least eight games better in the win column than they were last year. So, Ray, that would mean going from 31 to 39, which would likely mean still missing the playoffs, but being obviously a lot closer. I think Peter Chiarelli might think they could maybe sneak in. I mean, he said significantly improved. To me... Uh, significant improvement means probably 10 wins 31 to 41 you might sneak into the playoffs if you get that Th- this this haul for larson trade is going to be debated for a long long time and i got to tell you matthew i can already hear the phone calls i can already hear the phone calls on overtime open line with rob brown and me however many games into the season and you know what's going to happen every player in the NHL has a bad night as a defenseman your mistakes are a little more apparent because you make them closer to your own net I can already hear the phone calls when Adam Larson turns the puck over behind his own net and it's centered for a goal I can already hear the calls that idiot Charelli we traded Hall for this guy that can't even get the puck out we traded Hall for this guy that just gives the puck away he doesn't guard the front of his own net right you can hear them too can't you because I already heard them on Halloween when Cam Talbot let in a goal from behind his own net, which, quite frankly, was a horrific goal. Well, Shirelli should be fired for training for Cam Talbot. This guy is clearly not an NHL goalie. Okay, let's see. I mean, look, this the the, the Oilers, I, I don't think the Oilers roster is a playoff roster. But, you know, I was saying that, I was saying before going into this, they got to add a couple of defensemen. I still don't think it's there. I still don't think it's there. And, and as much as the Hall trade at the time, I mean, I've kind of been arguing other people's opinions. Here's my opinion. It is not an even trade, but I don't think it's it's a, as, a, as big a disaster as a lot of people think. I think the roster can overcome this. And I'm not saying it's going to make people forget about Taylor Hall, but I think there are elements in place and maybe a balance to the roster that can create a different-looking Edmonton Oilers. I mean, let's face it, guys. The Oilers have been losing games for pretty much the same way for the last seven years. Often didn't have a good enough goaltender and didn't have a top-notch defender. And I I separate the last seven years out of the ten because there were a couple years they were close to a playoff spot. I think they even had 41 wins one year. So... Shirelli's looking at this and, be, and he's played against the Oilers and he's seen some of his Boston team has pushed the Oilers around pretty bad and he's saying all right fair enough I got it I he knows I'm sure he's he's not a stupid man he knows he's taking a risk by trading Hall but I also think the message he's sending to you is you know what Oilers fans we're going to do something different I'm sick of losing games and losing games the same way every single year And this, this team hasn't defended enough. And as, as I said with the other stats, they also have not scored enough. This has never become uh, the high-flying Oilers team, you know, and I, I hate this saying, but I'll say it because people use it. Well, it's going to be like Hall's going to be like Messier and Nuge is going to be like Gretzky. This has never become a high-flying Oilers team. Despite drafting a forward four times first overall in the last six years, it has never become a high-scoring team. And their defensive weaknesses haven't meant that they're losing games 6 5 because they rarely score 5. You know, they're, they, they've been totally pushed around or they haven't been able to grind out wins against the Anaheims and LAs of the world. So Shirelli's saying, all right, I think I have a formula that is, that is more likely to be successful because I applied it to the Boston Bruins and now I'm going to apply it to the Edmonton Oilers. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying again we'll start to know in October if it's going to work but but that that is what he is telling you Mark says what do you see for the future of Nugent Hopkins here he's weak fragile can't win faceoffs etc uh well I think you're underestimating a bit I uh, but we'll see I mean Nugent Hopkins could be traded at some point I don't know if it happens this summer 780-496-0063. We are late into the break. It's Inside Sports on Chad.
3: This is Oscar Clefbrom from your Edmonton Oiler, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630
2: Chad. All right, well, there's a the guy the Oilers are going to need this season if they're going to significantly improve. We have Roy on the line. Roy, what's going on?
3: Hi, Reed.
2: Hello. Hey,
3: Gary, you hear me now? I got you. Yep. Hi, Reed. Yeah, I just want to thank you for that beautiful tribute you did
1: for my dad.
3: Uh, but also, also a few things that he he'd actually asked uh, about last week about wanted to talk to you about uh, the beginning of the season. Uh, and if you you know recall, like Talbot didn't have a good start. Beverly was hurt, and McDavid got hurt, and and still when Cleva when Klepbaum got hurt, they were still in the. Uh, in a wild card position, were they not? Yes. Yeah, uh, so he was worried about that. And the other thing, uh, for for Hall, I think one of the things that uh, contributed to his trading was I agree with some I agree with you McDavid's going to be a captain and I think that would have kind of chewed on Hall a little bit. I know he would accept it outwardly, but that might have been a little bit hard for him in you know, inside.
2: Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I think he under, i think he understands what McDavid means to the team. Uh, Roy, uh, obviously, you are Tom McLaughlin's son. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, just to just for to give fans or, or give listeners uh, a context. Well, I got to say, uh, the pleasure was all mine to have uh, your father be a regular caller to Bob's show and to this show. I I already miss him, and it was my pleasure to play that interview again. I I wish we could do more, but uh, it it was awesome to have him involved in the show.
3: Yeah, we're we're actually going to play it uh, during the video for his memorial.
2: Oh, wow. Well, that's a great honour for me, so thank you for doing that.
3: Well, thank you. We we appreciate it.
2: Roy, enjoy the Eskimo season and the Oilers season, man.
3: I will. Thank you very much.
2: That is Roy checking in tonight, and uh, we all remember Tom McLaughlin played uh had him on last summer it might have been a year ago today we had him on and of course he recently passed away and we we, uh, replayed that interview last week inside sports will continue on 630 chat
1: you're listening to inside sports with reed wilkins on edmonton sports leader 630 chat
2: All right, Inside Sports on Jet. It is 8.35. Bob on the text line says, Taylor Hall's a great player, not as good a team player. His biggest problem was when he was frustrated he would try to do everything himself. You can't do everything yourself. That is from Bob. I will say this as a uh, a radio host for the Oilers broadcast. Uh, Does this mean we're going to have fewer calls about body language this season? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Because... And a lot of people, I'm sorry for being mocking here, but man, there's a lot of people that paid attention to Taylor Hall's body language and Connor McDavid's, for that matter, when he got drafted. Remember that? Oh my God! He doesn't want to come to Edmonton. No, you could you could tell his right eyelash slightly drooped. <laughs> I thought Rob Brown said it best. Well, he, he said a lot of a lot of highly competitive athletes show frustration. Such as Tiger Woods. And, and Rob also said to somebody one night, he goes, "Look, Justin Schultz gets criticized because people say he looks like he doesn't care, and then Taylor Hall openly looks like he cares, and he gets just and he gets cropped on as well." The bottom line is, when you lose, and when you lose, as long as the others have everything is wrong. Tie your skates wrong. This guy's attitude is wrong. This guy holds a stick wrong. Everything's wrong. When you start to win, then everything you do is right did taylor hall show frustration yes i don't have a problem with that it's how you channel it and how you deal with it and i guess what bob is saying and i would agree there were times maybe hall didn't channel that frustration appropriately or effectively um do i think it was a serious problem i wouldn't say so i think taylor hall is a very good hockey player Matthew Panashik working as our studio producer this evening. Matthew, you been out golfing lately, buddy?
1: No, I wish I could get some more rounds in, that's for sure. I haven't been golfing in about a month.
2: Oh, that's a long time. I know. See, this is the this is the problem. Golf is a recreational sport that is almost impossible to enjoy recreationally. Because if you do it occasionally, you will be horrible at it. Generally. I agree. I'm sure there's some low handicappers out there who are thinking like, no, I hardly play and I'm good. I'd say you're in the minority.
1: If 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 I could play more, I could probably shoot in the 80s. That's like I, good. When I was a kid, I could shoot in the 80s. Like I think the best round I ever had was 84, 85. Well, right. right I feel
2: like peaked as a golfer probably when I was 17 or 18. <laughs> when more I time, played, right? I played three or four times a week probably.
1: Yeah, so was I. Same as me. I played a lot and really enjoyed it. But, you know, I think as a kid, just being a kid, I think you learn the etiquette of go, growing up and just, you know, being an adult and learning how to be proper in in public spaces by golfing. Because, you know, people can get frustrated, especially being a kid. You get frustrated a lot when you play the game. And I think it teaches you if you're playing with your parents or another... Actually, it doesn't teach you much if you're playing with your parents. It teaches you a lot when you're playing with other adults because you're not only representing yourself. You're representing your parents when you're a kid, right? And you want to make sure that these parents aren't... You know what I mean?
2: I never had that experience. I I only only played with my dad. We wouldn't wouldn't go out and play with other adults.
1: Yeah, I I did. So I had to make sure I was and it's just me and my dad. Up.
2: Sometimes we would have the Pemina Valley Golf Course all to ourselves.
1: Nice. Yeah, that's nice. But I was just saying, though, right? Like, just being a kid and learning how to be etiquette-wise and being mature. Well, I, out mean, there, I yeah, it, it, I mean, know.
2: golf can help you. Sometimes you have to remind yourself, okay, I'm playing, I'm playing for fun. I know I'm not good, so just enjoy the fact that I'm outside and with you know friends or whatever and you're just playing. Exactly, right? Having said that, there's a large part of me that wants to be better at golf. That really... There is a there's a significant part of the core of my being that is extremely upset that I'm not better at golf. And I, I, sometimes I hate that part of myself. <laughs> because, because I don't know if it's ever going to be even remotely satisfied.
1: I think we're all like that, Reed, when we golf. I think that a lot of golfers want to be better, even though, you know, like when I go out, and somebody will ask me how I played, I'll be like, well, I got a birdie here, a bogey here, and I shot a 48, but really, I should have had a 44 out there, so am I satisfied that I shot a 95 or 96? Not really, because I feel I could have shot an 89 or 88 today if I would have played better. We're always hunting as a golfer for a better round and a better result. That's what drives you to come back.
2: Okay, yeah, Every round can be better, for sure, but there are some rounds that could, that could be much better and you just don't feel like they're worth salvaging. I had a moment and I, and I've been playing, I've played the most golf this summer already than I have in, I, I don't I don't even know, probably since my mid twenties. I've probably played, I don't know, six or seven rounds, which which isn't that much. And I took a golf lesson, which I talked about from Taylor Sinski, the director of golf at the quarry. And by the way, you can go to my, uh, uh the twitter account we have a promo uh, pr- a promo videos discover the quarry we got episode three beautiful course uh, no, out northeast edmonton so i i just feel like i had this moment earlier this year where i was having a horrible round and i was hitting horrible shots and i couldn't figure out what was wrong and that's that's part of it for me matt it's not so much that i hit a bad shot It's that I'm not able to solve the problem and think to myself, oh, okay, I did this. And what I was doing was I was hitting, I can't hit my driver, so I hit my three-wood off the tee. I was hitting, with a three-wood, pop-ups that would go about 80 to 120 yards and about 30 degrees for the right. Hmm. And everything I tried, I couldn't fix. So I thought to myself, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a lesson. I took it from Taylor at the quarry, and it was quite helpful. And I'm going to keep golfing. And then if I don't get any noticeably better by the end of the summer, and I'm still this mad all the time, I'm going to quit. That was my thought process at the time, because I, I thought to myself, how much time and I mean golf can be expensive. How much time and, mo- and money am I going to spend on something that I would like to do recreationally and enjoy, but is just infuriating me?
1: Yeah. You're now right.
2: I've now I've softened on that stance a little bit because I I have somewhat improved since the lesson and and figured out some things about my swing and have a a slight slightly more ability to solve the problems i have on the course um and today i golfed and i probably shot more of a score indicative of my ability and i really had maybe four bad holes out of 18 that cost me that's pretty good in a round read you know but but for some reason i still because i here's the thing When I golf with other people, Matt, and tomorrow I'm playing in Kevin Karius' tournament for Easter Seals. Nice. And whenever I play a scramble like that, so it's usually groups of four or five people, I am almost always the worst golfer in the group. Almost always the worst golfer in the group.
1: Well, in a scramble,
2: could play different, right? Yeah, I know. But you can tell by people swinging how far they hit it, how straight they hit it. And okay, maybe if I played a full round with somebody, maybe I would think, oh, they're not actually that much better than me, or I have strengths that they don't have or whatever. But I I just thought to myself, why am I always, in my mind, obviously the worst golfer in whatever group I'm in? And like, I, I golf with my buddy. We, I, the, the, they got a friend. He's got a membership at the Devon Golf Course. Nice little course down by the river. And sometimes I feel like he must be embarrassed to golf with me. And I even asked him that today. He's like, "No, I don't care. We're just playing golf. It's, it's fun." And he, and he said, "Today you're, you're pretty, you're playing well. And we're all playing to our own abilities. I mean, we're not playing against each other. There's no competition there. But I just feel like God. He must be embarrassed to play with me." And that hurts me to feel that way. I want to be better at it. I want to step up to a golf ball and know that maybe what? Three quarters of the time, it's pretty much going to go where I want it. Is that, is that too much to ask? I don't expect to drive at 300 yards. I'm fine with driving at 200 yards. I just want to know most of the time, 80% of the time, it's going to be playable. And then I can advance it from there. Maybe I'll have a shot. like If I could play around bogey golf, I'd be thrilled. Yeah, you I just feel gotta like I've upset you. You don't no, even have no, a response you, now. No, like, no.
1: Matthew's like, oh, my God, I can't believe Rita actually opened up to me. You, you've just got to keep w- w- with golf. Practice makes you better. And, I mean, that that's in any sport, I guess, right? But golf, you really well, have to work and at And here's it. the
2: thing in this climate. If we're lucky, we get to golf into October. Exactly. And then if we're lucky, we get to golf again in March. That is if we're lucky. Yeah. So at the very minimum, we're going uh, – yeah, we can take a call if this person wants to come on. At the very minimum, we're going November, December, January. I mean, that's only four months. Basically, we're going six months without doing the action of that sport, of that, that activity, which is going to hurt you. Is this uh, who I think it is? Recently named one of the most 50 most influential people in the province of Alberta by Venture Magazine. It's Ryan Jesperson, who hosts a show from 9 to noon every day on this very station. Hi, Ryan.
4: Reed, I have no influence on any golf course in the city of Edmonton.
2: <laughs> I wish you I wish you could somehow influence my swing to be better. What's going on?
4: Man, I feel like you're sitting on all of our therapy couch right now, and we're listening to you hash out this mental battle, and this, this sort of like love-hate relationship you have with golf, and you know that, or you have to know anyway, that 85% of your audience can relate, Reed. We, we all wrestle with this.
2: I just don't know why I continue to love something I'm so poor at. It's, it's counterintuitive.
4: Well, let me flip the question around on you. Why do you continue to torment yourself over something you clearly love? Like, <laughs> the, the journey that I had to arrive at, the most frustrating bit of feedback I got, I got on the golf course, uh, as a matter of fact, just a couple of weeks ago, from a friend who's got one of those kind of, you know, nice and easy Ernie Els, style effortless swings and it's just perfection and he you know and this is after you know watching some incredible golfers uh, at, a, at a couple of tournaments recently including the 630 chet sound is anonymous the gary drager memorial tournament out at the links and and this frustrating bit of feedback was from our good friend grant Fedorik at leading edge physio and he looks at me and he says your swing looks perfect I can't understand why you're spraying it all over the golf course. (laughs) And it's like, how are you supposed to take that feedback? Because my swing is clearly not perfect. And I felt like it was the last step in me finally embracing who I am on the golf course read. I am never going to be the guy that everyone's thrilled to be golfing with because he takes their best ball tournament winning hopes to the next level. But I will always be the guy in the foursome at the tournament that's the most fun and that from time to time in best ball will hit, out of nowhere, an unbelievable shot. Maybe one every nine holes, but it's that one unbelievable shot that keeps me coming back.
2: See, I, well, A, you're right. Well, I mean, And look, t- today I played, and yes, I, I hit some very good shots today. There is no doubt about that. I, I, I putted very well. But... I, I, here here's the thing i, I just I, I i i'm having fun but yet i i really care about improving at this sport for yes, some you for because some you're reason you're
4: waiting for that you're waiting for that moment that you've seen probably even several of your friends experience where their golf game goes to the next level and all of a sudden they're challenging 80 or challenging 90 every time they're out right right and you're waiting for that moment and you know that you know you've tasted it like panacea has tasted it you guys have had your moments your great rounds where you thought i might i might like am i shooting 79 and now you know it's hard to come to terms with the fact that we're more of the uh you know we're the golfers that are out there to enjoy an afternoon with our friends Family in the sun, you know, or the light mist rain. Right? Well,
2: you know? I know, but I I just like to feel like I maximize that round. And and Ryan, like, here's the thing: losing a golf ball just angers me. I'm just oh, like, why so did it go over shake there? That
4: off, my man.
2: <laughs> What's that?
4: You gotta, just, you gotta shake that off. I know. You know, and, and you know what comes hand in hand with this is all levels. Of, there's like this. Is, there's probably we could probably, if we had the time on your show, identify. The 12 steps to this, and one of those steps would be to stop buying the $48 sleeves. Oh, and I, don't
2: do I don't do that. I don't do that
4: for the 24 recovered balls at Canadian Tire like the, the, the top flights and the ones the kids have pulled out of ponds, and then you won't care about losing them, and it's going to change your whole perspective.
2: Well, I hope so.
4: <laughs> I hope so too. I can hear the angst in your voice, my friend.
2: Well, and I know this for some reason. This summer, I, I thought I want to golf more and I want to get better at it. And I've probably put too much pressure on myself, and that probably hasn't helped.
4: Well, but hey, listen, you're doing the smart thing, right? Like I say, stick to the plan. I say stick to the original spirit of the plan, which is get out there to the quarry all the time. Uh, uh, by the way, I can att- you love the course. Uh, I host a bunch of tournaments out there every summer. I can attest to the. Uh, the kitchen, the culinary adventure nice. that they've taken us on—they they do a great job out there at the quarry. But you're doing the right thing. Take the lessons, get the wisdom, get the insight, apply it to your game. But just forget about the ultimatum about you know quitting at the end.
2: Well, you're right. And now I've kind of thought to myself where it's like I, I honestly do enjoy this. There there are you know a couple of friends in my life that we genuinely like playing together and uh and the 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 guy I've been playing with Evan Dom, who you know a former sports yep. writer with the journal he now works for Canada West. he comes on this show i mean we we hit our shots and then we'll just start talking about something else, so it's not as if while we're out there we're critiquing each other's shots or, or beating each other up or anything like that but but you're right and and somebody just texted in. Uh, Ziggy says my pops is shooting in the low 80s. He didn't break 90 until he was 52. Now he's 55. Excuses awesome. is all I'm hearing. Takes making changes in practice. Well, I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm making excuses because I am trying to practice as much as I can and I have taken action to improve. But I'm probably putting too much pressure on myself for how quickly. Um, yeah. there will be tangible improvement
4: you know fine, continue to tap into your motivation but forget about all the pressure you know for some people it's going to be something over like you know they're putting too much weight on their back foot or they're lifting their head in their swing and like you know you know how it is right this is what golf pros are able to see that we can't see all the time and it'll be that one tiny but significant change that you make I think, you know, for everybody listening right now, too, everybody knows that deals get done on the golf course. Everybody knows that, you know, if you're in business or whatever, you know, it, it makes sense to have a reasonably sufficient golf game. And I think that's why some people go to the driving range or take lessons. But, you know, if you think about it, the people you want to do business with, the people you want to forge partnerships with, what, what are they going to, what's going to make more of an impact there? You know, you shooting 73 and being completely socially obtuse or, <laughs> you know, Shooting a 91 and you know and picking up a couple of rounds of drinks and making everybody laugh the whole time. Who do you think's getting the contract signed? You know?
2: Yeah, fair enough.
0: Can I can anyway, I say wait, one wait, thing, you know, guys? Always.
2: I don't know if Ryan can hear you, Morgan. I'm going to put Ryan on hold so he I, th- I think he'll hear you that way. Morgan Smith in the newsroom want, is ready to chime in. What's up,
0: Reed, Just look at it this way. Every great man needs at least one flaw. <laughs> You know, Thank you, even Morgan. diamonds have flaws, Reed. And, and for me, it's a, it's my golf game. Wasn't that sweet, Ryan? Wow. Well,
4: and, and it's a good thing that Morgan pointed that out, Reed, because if you put me on the spot and asked me to name a flaw of yours, I mean, I'd, I'd have to think and think and think. <laughs>
2: this is this is you guys have made me feel so much better I'm gonna grab my clubs and go play nine before sunset and I'll be just, I just all energized want to
4: go to sleep tonight feeling unloved or insufficient Reed
0: shine on you crazy diamond uh Ryan thanks for calling in buddy who's on your show tomorrow
4: Oh we've got we got we're gonna talk about Jason Kenny's big super secret announcement and we'll get into a whole bunch of stuff but that you know 12 hours from now
2: Ryan thanks for calling buddy Thanks Reed Ryan Jesperson. Get them on the Ryan Jesperson show nine to noon every day on 630 Chet. It is uh, 853. We'll wrap up with some of your texts about the lovely game of golf when we get back.
3: I'm all right. but about me.
2: This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins
4: on Oilers Radio, I'm 630 Chad. Right.
1: What do we have here, Matthew? No uh, Kenny Loggins from Caddyshack. I'm all right. Some
2: text to 63630. This person says, relax and enjoy the game. Read and just ignore lost golf balls. They make new ones every day. I will say, one of the funnest things about golf is sometimes looking for golf balls. I lost two balls today in, in, uh, in tall grass in the woods, and I think I found six or seven. So I actually came out ahead in the golf ball department. So that made me pre- uh, feel good. Uh, Stu says, uh, how about getting paired up with a couple of 25-year-old great golfers? They hit the ball a mile. I hate it, but I love the game. I don't know why. This texture says, trust me, Reed, although you f- may feel better being a bogey golfer, trust me, it will not be good enough for you. Well, I'd like to think that if I reached a point where I could consistently shoot in a in a, in a lower range than I'm at now, I'd, I'd feel better. Maybe not. Maybe I would just keep pushing. I don't know. Thanks for chiming in. Good to talk some golf. Terry says, Hi, Reed. I'm a runner. Each time I'm out, I try to better my time and distance. You know that inner drive that keeps you going. I started running without timing, and I enjoy the experience so much I am more relaxed and can go farther. Sometimes letting go of that inner timer is the best thing. Maybe relaxing with golf will help. Well, I will try. I will try. Matthew great job tonight Dave Campbell's the producer of the show you heard from him you heard from Jamie Thomas Bob Stoffer as always now from noon to 2 tomorrow I'm back 6 to 9 tomorrow night going to be fun talk to you then
1: 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at 6 on 6:30 Chad